Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today, at the end of the episode, I will be playing a short story from Somberstroll. That's a short one. It's only five in that little collection. I am going to play Ultimate Wish. Not my favorite story, to be honest, but it was a fun one. Definitely had a lot of fun with that one, especially the rewrite on it. And I'm sharing it because it is about a concert, and tonight I'm finally dying. So that should be awesome. Buddy Nato and I are going to the L.A. Coliseum. Had tickets for them two years ago, but with the pandemic and all that, just kept getting postponed, postponed. So finally going to go see them tonight, which is awesome. Really got into them... I've always liked them, but it wasn't until I started learning German that I was playing their music all the time. Just that repetition, hearing it in the background, really dig it. Also, Lindemann, his side project, the lead singer's side project, like all his stuff. So, And it exposed me to so much other German music. Now my listening is all fucked up. So, yeah, my Spotify or Amazon playlist is pretty nutty, but I'm enjoying it, and that's all that matters. We have another concert coming up in two weeks. That one's going to be with the whole family. That's not fest. That should be a lot of fun. And the awesome part is all of this is only going to make Death Fest that much better. I went through the whole main story of Death Fest. We have it all set. I gave it to Glenn. He's going over it all, making it better, improving it, cutting out all my bad ideas, throwing in his good ones. And we are going to have that thing done. It's still going to take a little while, but we're making awesome progress. We only have to do on that one. My portion is going to be like another... I don't know, we got to figure out some of the death scene. Other awesome news with the whole Trying to Die series is how many books are going to be coming out. It is pretty cool. I was getting a little, not depressed, I don't want to use that word, but it could be, could be a little depressing to not be producing as much as I used to. I used to put out at least one book a year, more than that, but this past year I haven't put out anything. So it's been nearly a whole year. No new stuff has been released. But I'm going to be having Death Fest come out. Wild West is done. Just Don, John Palsano's going over it. He's doing his pass. So that's the closest to being finished. That'll be book five. Death Fest will probably be book six. Duncan Ralston, he, he just wrote in his newsletter, which you should be a subscriber to, he wrote about trying to stay at Ghostland being just about done. It's amazing what he's doing with that. So that's super cool. We have Caitlin's, which will probably release around May. That's not that far away from being finished as well. And then there's so many other ones that are being developed in the background. Like I'm meeting with Nico in Germany for trying to die on the ride. We try to meet every week or every other week. Evan's working on his trying to die on a dark fairy tale. Kevin Anderson, he just, he's working on an alien one, which is really cool. Cause right now I mentioned last week, how much I like Midnight Men. I've been reading his new one that's about to come out. Night Sounds, really, really enjoying it. Haven't finished it. Sorry, Kevin, been super busy this week with all my stuff. But really digging it, I only have a couple stories left, and then I will give him the blurb on that. So yeah, writing has been awesome. Another reason why is Steve Montgomery has resurrected uh, our trying to die super high. It's crazy how close that book is to being finished, too. I had no idea. Like, it's been so long, I just kind of forgot about it. He's... You know, the pandemic screwed everything up and then his job situation and was running businesses. And man, there's no time to write. It's very hard to find time to write. And so we finally got back on it, though, and we're doing phone calls, going over everything. 
I just read through the entire book and I was like, God damn, this book is good. It's, it's, it's just about ready to go. We still need to write the destinies up for that one. But right now he's just going over because it's been so long. He's going back through it. And the nice thing is now it's going to be that much better. If we had just put it out how it was written, you know, it would, it would probably be good. But now because both of us have developed both our writing skills and just life experience, the book's going to be better now. So we're going to be in a better place to write it, which is super cool. And other good news. I also heard back from Anthony Schwach, who was the co-author of Trying to Die at Grandma's House. He was calling about Trying to Die Back at Grandma's House, which is the first game pack, short story, whatever we're going to call it, for uh, Trying to Die. So that one should be cool. That's going to be a short one. That's probably going to be like 10,000 words, not super long. And then I also have the Death Best Confessions coming up. I got all kinds of stuff. So very exciting. But again, all that really matters is I'm enjoying today. I'm enjoying the conversations with Steve. I'm enjoying the conversations with Nico. I'm enjoying editing this stuff. I'm enjoying, like, everywhere I go, I'm carrying pages with me. It's like, okay, yeah. I was like, I have five minutes here when I drop off my daughter. Let's knock something out. Let's read through this chapter. Let's figure out what we need to fix up here. You know, but just having fun with it. So that has been super cool. I'm going to keep that up. I think one reason why I had such a great week is I started off right with a cool in-person class, yoga class on Sunday. I was intimidated going in, which is ridiculous thinking it's yoga because yoga you're supposed to do at your own pace. And so if you can get through anything, just modify it. But of course, with the ego and everything else, I want to go in and do a good job and be able to do everything. So I was a little intimidated going in, got over that right away. It was at Child's Post Studio in LA with Lauren Extra from the Interdimensions app. I always talk about them. I was able to give her a couple copies of my book, TBI or CT, because in there I have an ad for Interdimensions. I talk about how much I enjoy them. Her husband, Travis, um, I'd been following him for a long time, watching his videos and his meditation and his and Lauren's meditation practice definitely helped a lot too. So I really enjoyed going in person. That was super cool to meet her. I will go back. I don't know how often I will do a in-person class. It was cool. Uh, the energy was really cool and everything else. But I was also like, eh, it's not that much different from hearing her on the TV. You know, because usually I have my eyes closed. So I don't know if there's a bunch of people around me if my eyes are closed. And it's cool when you can hear everyone else's breath, too. And sometimes that, unless you're thinking about COVID and like, fuck, how many of these people are dirty? But I, <laughs> that wasn't going through my head either. So it was a really cool class. I enjoyed it. Excellent teaching. Can't say enough about the inner dimensions. Her and Travis have an amazing program. So if you were looking for a yoga program, do that. Another thing I added in this week was the tonal machine. We'll see how long that keeps up. I wanted to get back into weightlifting. We have it here. It's a pretty awesome machine. I just don't use it. I think because I spend so much time on the yoga. So I was like, okay, I'll reintroduce that. Part of that is because I want to do it with my kids. My daughter, who's just finished on volleyball. she got a couple more weeks. But she, they won yesterday, which is awesome. But she's already on to the next thing. She's thinking about wrestling. She loved jiu-jitsu. It's been a while for that. So instead, she will be going into wrestling to scratch that itch. And right now, she's a little bit worried about, you know, how strong she is and getting in a better shape. So I was like, Awesome. Let's hit it. Let, let's let's do it together. I'll help you as much as you want or as little as you want. But I think by having, you know, if I'm coming down here, if I'm doing these workouts, 
whether or not they see me, you know, they'll know. I'll tell them that's going to motivate them. I'm trying to, I saw that they have some boxing workouts and stuff, which are shorter. Some of them are only 10, 15 minutes. So I was telling Jake that we can do those together right after school. You know, that way he's getting, you know, he's getting exercise. He hasn't been getting enough properly. Oftentimes we come home, maybe we might do a little bit of swimming or something like that, but that's probably it. And I don't think he's getting enough at school. So I was like, if we could do that, that'd be awesome. When I was talking to Jake about it, I said, hey man, I said, you don't want to be the only kid at school that doesn't know how to box. He's like, dad, I don't think very many kids in my school know how to box. I was like, yeah, well, be the one that does that. So why not? I said, it's a good skill to have. But the most important thing is have fun. Like that is a fun form of exercise, hopefully for him too. I've seen him in the past and he's when we hit mitts and everything else. He enjoys it, so I do believe he will like this. I'm not trying to force my stuff on him. I just think it's a fun way to get exercise. And if you get some skills while you're doing it, then that's even better. All right, guys, last thing I'm going to mention. If you haven't done so already, hit me up or hit up Ashley Santana for a link to this weekend's book club. We are reading Brightside, discussing that September 25th, Sunday night, 7.30 p.m., Pacific Standard Time. Sorry if it's too late for lots of you guys. I hadn't really thought about it until I put an ad out. I was like, I'm not even going to advertise this to people that are on the East Coast because it's going to be too late for you guys. Unless you're not like me who goes to bed super early because I'm an old guy. Whatever. All right. So hopefully you guys can make that. Oh, last bit of good news. Yesterday I spent making the Ain't No Messiah paperback. So that should be out in a couple of days. Good to finally have that. I'll be able to sell that at different conventions and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. But I'm going to get out. I have a long day ahead of me. Should be fun. Should be awesome. Should get some writing in. And then should get a lot of headbanging in tonight at Rammstein. All right, guys. I'm going to leave you with Ultimate Wish. This one is narrated by T. Quillen. Hope you enjoy it. It is from Somber Stroll. All right, have an amazing weekend, and I will talk to you later. Peace. Ultimate Wish I might be a bit old for a DJ, but the board members seated behind the tables still listen to their music on vinyl. I've been committed to this event for the past month, but not even I knew who the special singer would be. Just that it'd be someone on the Billboard's top ten. I said, I'm honored to have been selected for this, I really am. And giving away all the tickets to students, that's something else. Northwood, the bony old man in the middle, dismissed me with a wave of skeletal fingers. The pleasure is ours. You're helping a young girl's dream come true. A sound check buzzed beneath my feet. I said, I have to admit, I really don't get it, though. Past winners had been flown around the world, performed death-defying stunts, and enjoyed every extravagant thing they could imagine. One young boy would have gone to the moon if they hadn't died two days before countdown. All she wants is a show? Garrett, the youngest of the group, yet older than my mother, cleared her throat. A live performance televised across the world. At the other end of the table was Burlington with his shiny dome surrounded by wisps of white hair. He wagged his finger at my chest and said, And with you as the host, Northwood revealed the special guest. I couldn't stifle my sigh. Are you serious? Northwood shrugged. He is the one that she requested. 
very specifically. How much did his record company donate? Burlington said. Neither Mr. Carter nor anyone affiliated with him in any way has contributed to our cause. This is the kind of once-in-a-lifetime exposure that money can't buy. Have any of you even heard this guy sing? No. I'm afraid I don't keep up with the younger generation's music. Northwood templed his fingers and cracked a small smile. But I'm told you play Mr. Carter quite regularly. I don't touch the programming, Garrett said. Well, Miss Carey wants Mr. Carter up on that stage, so that's what we're going to give her. Of course, I said, sorry for the fuss. Is there anything special you would like me to do or say? Anything I have to plug? Northwood said. No, just understand what a special moment you're giving her. I meant it when I said, I'll do my best. Garrett made a production of studying her gold watch. The show starts in an hour, so you will probably want to head over to wardrobe soon. I'd only done a handful of live shows, and all of those I'd been fully prepared. I asked if I meet the girl and Carter before we got started. Garrett said, By all means. Carrie is with her parents in the room next to this one. Northwood said, Normally we would have put her in the suite, but Mr. Carter was very adamant that he be given the nicest room. What a scumbag. Burlington raised his finger like he was going to scold me. This little girl was deemed worthy of all the contestants. We base this not on her wish, but on her. It's not up to us or you or anyone else to decide whether her use of the wish is wise. She made her choice, and it is up to us to fulfill it. It was like the third grade all over, wearing the dunce cap in the corner. Burlington waited until I held his gaze. That won't be a problem, will it? I promised that it wouldn't, and headed to the next room. Curious to meet the little girl who wished for Brian Too Cute Carter, the girl who was dying. I was worried about the performer while she was counting breaths. I put on the brakes before I went too deep and thought of my niece. How a car crash took her at ten. I took a deep breath, blew it out, and prayed I'd say the right things. A huge man answered my knock, his flannel shirt filling the doorway a thick brown beard hiding his neck. I acted like I didn't see the fifth of Jack and reached out to shake his free hand. You must be Carrie's father. He looked at me through glassy eyes, dark circles smudged beneath them. Can I help you? I left my hand out. Skip Scranton. I'll be making the presentation tonight. His eyes grew brighter, and his hand swallowed mine, pumped it three times. Frank Weaver. Carrie loves you. The sweat was slick between his palms, but I didn't pull away. I'm honored. Truly. I thought maybe you were one of the wish people. Frank released his trap, wiped his hand on his jeans. You know what I would wish for? I had a pretty good idea, but shook my head. I'd tell them to let me get my hands on that goddamn cancer. I'd wish for... From inside the room, a woman said, Frank, you stop that and let in Mr. Scranton. Frank stepped aside so I could squeeze into the small room that consisted of one mirror, a chair, and a couch. 
Carrie's frail body curled up on the cushion, her head nuzzled on her mother's lap so I couldn't see her face, her wheelchair folded in the corner. Mrs. Weaver looked like her daily dose might be off, her eyes somewhere else, her hands running through her daughter's unnaturally bright red hair. I lowered my voice and nodded at Carrie. So, this is the lucky lady, I said, wanting to kick myself for not using a better word. Frank smiled. Twelve hundred and forty-two entrants and they picked her. That's something, isn't it? I didn't know a thing about her, but I said, I'll say. How sad my time finding out about her would be less than five minutes. She must be pretty special. Yeah, my little girl's getting her ultimate wish. Frank took a quick swig from the bottle and grimaced it down. And here we are in good old California. Not a big fan, huh? California's fine. It's just we've been here before, and the flight from Portland was only a half an hour. We had our own private jet, and she slept through it. Mrs. Weaver's eyes were back, pinned on her husband. In a harsh whisper, she said, Frank, cut it. He took another gulp and set the bottle on the floor. Could have had anything she wanted. I don't care about the materialistic stuff. Just want her to experience something different, something fun, something she'll remember. Frank, you stop that right now. It's her wish. Mrs. Weaver's hands kept running through Carrie's wig. We don't have to agree with it, but it's what she wanted, and it's what she's getting. Frank softened up and said, I know. I motioned at Carrie and asked if she would be up for the show. Are you kidding? She wouldn't miss it for the world. Is she able to talk? Would she mind answering a few questions when I bring her up? A tiny squeak came from the couch. There's pulp poop in the woods. Saying it sweet so everyone knew she wasn't serious, Mrs. Weaver said, Now, now, young lady. Carrie turned over. The face of an angel. An angel at the end of a brutal battle she wouldn't win. She said, At least I didn't use the word dad always uses. I knelt beside the couch and took her hand. Hi, sweetheart. I just wanted to meet you before the show started and tell you... How great it made me feel to have you pick me as the presenter. I'm so honored. Although it looked like it required a great deal of effort, Carrie smiled. That's so cool. She sounded half asleep, her eyes struggling to stay open. I love your voice. In the hospital bed, I just close my eyes and listen to you. You make me happy. Make me forget my pain. Thank you for sharing that. I wiped at my eye, told myself to get it together. This was a happy day. No time for tears. I'm glad it helped. Carrie's eyelids slid shut. Daddy, I'm thirsty. Frank opened the blue cooler and popped the top on a tall energy drink. Here you go, honey. I got out of the way while Carrie's mom helped her sip from the can. Frank rubbed Carrie's hair, the wig gliding under his giant hand. My girl can have anything she wants. 
Today is a testament to that. Obviously not everything, but at least she'd have this wish fulfilled. I said a quick goodbye and told Carrie I'd see her on stage. She said she couldn't wait. Carter's suite was at the end of the hallway. No one answered the first knock, so I did it again. Josh Johnstone, Carter's best friend and guitar player, opened the door. What you want? A friend who would pay me an outrageous amount of money to play the same three chords over and over would be nice, but I kept things simple. I'll be introducing you guys tonight. Is Mr. Carter in? Josh pointed to the couch beside him. You can wait if you want. I stepped over a wadded-up t-shirt, ravaged fruit basket, a broken picture frame, only to discover that there was nowhere to sit. Liquor bottles, soda cans, an empty baggie with a white residue, most certainly not sugar, covered the leather cushions. Looks like I missed one hell of a party. Nah, man, that's gonna be after the show. We'll get someone to clean all this crap up before then. The bedroom door opened and a shirtless Brian Carter walked into the room, buttoning his jeans. Barely glancing at me, he grabbed a box of chocolates, inspected it, and then let the box fall to the floor. I picked up a barely touched box off the couch. There's some in this one. Carter pulled out a swirly truffle, left me holding the box. All about knowing what you like and sticking with it. He tossed the chocolate into his mouth and nudged Josh's shoulder. Speaking of which, want to do some sticking? A gorgeous blonde strolled out of the bedroom, a leather jacket draped over her shoulder. She walked past Carter and brushed her hand across his back. Sorry, Brian, but we had a deal. She sounded just as sexy as she looked when she draped the jacket over the bar stool and said, There's only one of these, and you're wearing it. Blondie was barely out the door when Carter told Josh. Sorry, bro. Don't trip, though. She wasn't all that great. He was full of shit. I'd attended more than enough Hollywood parties to know a pro when I see one. And I guarantee Blondie hadn't come cheap. Carter turned to me. So, you the presenter? That's me, Skip Scranton. Oh, I know who you are, Carter said. The way he said it almost sounded like a threat. I ignored it and said, Is there anything special you'd like me to say when I bring you out? Carter kept with his stupid smirk. Yeah, tell him I'll be granting wishes back here after the show. Ladies only, of course. I faked a laugh. <laughs> I'm not too sure that'd go over on live TV. Maybe something a little more PC would work. <laughs> Uh, relax, man. I'm just screwing with you. Just tell them the man of their dreams is about to play the number one hit they've all been dying to hear. I didn't say a word, but I guess my face showed plenty. Carter said, Now what's wrong? Just the choice of words. Josh said, Dude, the girl, the one we're playing for. What about her? Is she retarded? I don't have a problem with them, but they kind of creep me out. I kept my cool, told him no, Carrie was not retarded. Good, 
Because I did this one charity deal where this big lug climbed all over me, wouldn't let me go, and he got his nasty drool all over my favorite shirt, had to throw it out, made it smell like fish. I searched the heartthrob's baby blues, hoped I'd catch a glimpse of goodness. She's dying. Oh, that sucks. Carter walked over to the thick leather jacket and slipped it on, staring at himself in the mirror, flexing his chest and stomach. He said, But really, aren't we all? Most of us aren't eleven knowing we won't see twelve. Carter stopped posing and looked right at me. I saw on HBO. I heard what you said about me. I'd forgotten all about that panel. How I'd run my mouth a little much. I don't remember what I said, but whatever it was, it was just my opinion. No more important than anyone else's. Are you done? Carter asked. Because if you are, you should probably go down to your precious girl's room and tell her that I won't be playing tonight. Why would you do that? Because I can. It had to be a bluff. I asked. Is that the kind of publicity you want? I'll tell them my throat's strained, and that I'm also oh sorry. I will donate a portion of the next month's sales to a scholarship in her name. Josh grinned. That ain't a bad idea. We'll skyrocket. And to show them how much I care, I'll tell them I'll sing for her as soon as I'm better. I said, she'll probably be dead in two weeks. Then you better go out there and tell the world just how good my record is and what a swell guy I am. Carrie deserved better than this jerk, but she also deserved to have her wish granted. I wouldn't be the one to take it away. I promised Carter I'd do what he said. Between makeup and wardrobe, the next hour sped by. Backstage, I walked through my vocal exercises, doing deep breathing, figuring out the best possible way to phrase things. I ignored the sound of the building crowd on the other side of the curtain, all those little girls dying to see a star. The loudspeaker announced my name. Time to get this show started. I walked to the mic in the middle of the stage to a roar of applause. The crowd on their feet, the entire auditorium packed. I waved for everyone to calm down and glanced stage right. Three board members and Blondie were standing next to Carrie and her parents. Carrie was upright in her wheelchair, wearing a beautiful red dress, the same shade as her wig. Northwood bent down beside her and handed Carrie a gold package just big enough to be a jewelry box. He turned to me and motioned for me to proceed. With the crowd's full attention, I introduced myself and thanked everyone for coming out on such short notice. But this special event wouldn't be happening if it weren't for one very special girl. Tonight we're celebrating Carrie Weaver. Let's give her a warm welcome. A huge thank you for making this happen and letting us all be part of her ultimate wish. I motioned for Carrie to join me. The cue for the curtains to part and reveal the massive screen. The applause was tremendous as Carrie wheeled herself over looking every bit the excited eighth grader, blue eyeshadow and red lipstick, and those shiny white teeth sparkling. The exercise had winded Carrie, but she kept up the smile and waved hello to the crowd. Carrie's video 
filled the giant screen behind us. I wheeled Carrie around and rested my hand on her thin shoulder, watched her ten-year rise and one-year fall. The video ended, and I wheeled us around. The auditorium was silent, except for some muffled sobs. No one yelling for the act. I gave myself three beats before I attempted to talk. So, Carrie, the question everyone wants to know. Why did you wish for tonight's extra special guest? It had to be him. Carrie passed the gold present back and forth between her hands. I've been in the hospital for the last six months, and I heard this song every day. His voice stuck in my head, playing over and over all day long. I just had to see him perform it in person. The crowd of young girls screamed their approval. I didn't ask Carrie if she knew the song was a remake of a song as old as her dad. I simply said I was honored to be part of her wish, and then wheeled her over to a spot at the edge of the stage. The screen began to rise, and I turned to the crowd. Here's the moment Carrie and the rest of you have been looking forward to. Playing his number one hit, Died in Your Arms, for the first time live. Here is Carter. Johnston took his spot near the back of the stage while Carter sauntered out in his blue jeans, cowboy boots, and leather jacket. Walked out like he was too cool to be there. Didn't even look our way. Didn't say a word. Just went right into the song. I shouldn't have been surprised Carter was lip-syncing and doing a terrible job of it. He was too busy playing the audience, but never turning to Carrie. She didn't seem to mind. Her smile was still there, all her focus on her idol. The final stanza began, and Carter returned to the spotlight at the center of the stage, running one hand through his hair, holding the microphone high with his other to block his lips. Carter started the last line. A giant blast knocked me to my knees, blanking out my sight and sound. A light rain on my face. My ears were ringing, the blackness fading. I looked toward the stage. Screams filled the stadium as the smoke cleared. Carter's legs lay on the stage, his upper body nowhere to be seen, a river of red pumping from his shredded torso. I used my upper sleeve to wipe the gore from my face and slipped on the slick floor trying to get around the wheelchair. Carrie was in shock, her bright white teeth gleaming through all that red. Her presence gold wrapping crumbled on her lap. I couldn't tell if she was registering the mess in the middle of the stage, but positioned myself to block her view. I held both her hands and said, I'm so sorry, sweetie. Don't look. Close your eyes. Carrie laid her beautiful brown eyes on me. Why? It was perfect. She pressed a small remote into my hands. Wishes do come true. 